Well, first up, days ago, a British tabloid began live streaming footage of a portrait of the UK's Prime Minister Liz Truss. It was a framed photo beside a head of lettuce. And this basic question, can Truss outlast this lettuce? Now, the smart money was on the vegetable, and they were right. This was British Prime Minister Liz Truss just yesterday during another chaotic and shambolic question period in London. Mr. Speaker, I am a fighter and not a quitter. I have acted in the national interest to make sure that we have economic stability. Well, less than 24 hours later, just 44 days on the job, and she did indeed quit. Six weeks of economic instability brought on by aggressive tax cuts and spending rises with no way of paying for them, forcing the Bank of England to step in and buy British debt. Uh, She retreated from that, fired the Chancellor of the Exchequer, the Finance Minister, then pretty much trashed the whole plan. But that was it. It was already too late. The knives were out from people in her own party, and she was done. Trust becomes the shortest serving Prime Minister in British history. Given the situation, I cannot deliver the mandate on which I was elected by the Conservative Party. Just seven seconds of that there. The whole thing was just 93 seconds, imagine. Trust says she will stay in that position until, until a new leader is elected next week. So here we go again, another Conservative leadership fight just a few months after Truss won the honour, or whatever, of replacing the equally unpopular Boris Johnson. Now, opposition Labour Party leader Keir Starmer calls for an immediate general election and says Truss's sudden resignation may be high political drama, but Britain is paying a very real cost. Well, what a mess. And this is not just a soap opera at the top of the Tory party. It's doing huge damage to our economy and to the reputation of our country. And the public are paying with higher prices, with higher mortgages. So who can fix this so-called mess called Britain these days? And better yet, for our purposes, are there lessons in Truss's brief and bungled reign for other would-be leaders out there today offering simple solutions, ideological solutions, say, to complex issues, only to have it come back and bite them on the backside, so to speak? Ideology met reality, one veteran Conservative MP said, and... As always, reality won, he reflected. Joining me now with more on this is Jeremy Kinsman. He's Canada's former High Commissioner to the United Kingdom. Thanks so much for your time. Hi, Ben. You know, I was thinking the last time we spoke, and because it wasn't that long ago, it happened to be 44 days ago or 45 days ago when Truss was about to become Prime Minister. How did this all go so wrong so fast? I guess she was the wrong person. And and the problem is that uh, the British had kind of adopted a new system. They'd gone the way of a lot of countries, including Canada to some extent, whereas political parties were criticized for making choices only by party elites. And uh, they threw it uh, open to the membership at large. So 200,000 people picked her. They didn't know her. Uh, very well you know she came sort of from nowhere but she gave them a lot of kind of uh, identity candy to chew on and uh, and she got chosen and uh, then they found out what she was really and what she was was what she is i suppose is uh, is a kind of a throwback economic libertarian uh, she modeled herself uh, on margaret thatcher uh, and and preached a, a doctrine of Reaganomics uh, that has been pretty discredited, you know, and has been held uh, responsible for an awful lot of the widening 
disparities in income in in, in Western economies. And uh, so when she gave the message uh, to her party faithful that uh, she had one recipe uh, for success, and that's growth, 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 it sounded good to them, but it sounded horrible uh, to the rest of the country. Not that they didn't want growth, because Britain's been pretty sluggish in that respect, but because it was so risky what she was doing, and and so unfair in many ways. She uh, was uh, lessening significantly the uh, taxes uh, for the upper tax brackets of wealthy people in the country and for for corporations she was postponing or actually eliminating a tax hike for them and she was announcing some more spending but they were unfunded uh, spending propositions and not for social services which so many in the the british uh, population really relies on in what is you know a moment of great need with with inflation at 10.5% and food prices up 14.5% over last year. So it was all pretty pretty awful, Ben. I mean, she she hit rock bottom. It's almost hard to believe that uh, that a few days ago her personal approval rating had sunk to 9%. I think, you know, Larry the cat at Downing Street would get more than 9%. In fact, Larry tweeted today apparently <laughs> It went viral. He tweeted that uh, uh, that in response to the the king's request, he had agreed to serve as prime minister uh, and put an end to all this nonsense. And of course, as I say, that went viral and pretty yeah. well uh, uh, pretty well describes the public mood in Britain about all of this shenanigans. Yeah, I saw Larry. Larry the Cat is the house cat at 10 Downing Street where the Prime Minister of Britain lives. And he's quite a well-known cat. Uh, he had his own little podium in that uh, in that tweet that was sent out. I think he's actually now had four Prime Ministers. And he, again, uh, Jeremy, he's waiting now, I imagine, on a fifth. And, and, and it just <laughs> yeah, seems unbelievable. I mean, what's... so? Within a week, they have to choose someone new. I hear Boris Johnson's trying to make a comeback. So who can fix this mess for the conservative, let alone for Britain? uh, It's it's complex. It's complex because Ben, uh, she, of course, was unelected by the uh, electorate. Uh, And uh, and and so so will this person be unelected by the electorate. Keith Starmer has a a very, let's say, morally justifiable position. That this means there ought to be a general election, for heaven's sake. But that, that's the last thing the conservatives want, because they'd be virtually wiped out. I mean, the labor's uh, over 30 points ahead, according to the polls. And, and, and the conservatives have virtually lost uh, the support they had managed to get from normal labor voters. These would be normal blue-collar voters, particularly in the north, who had been frankly attracted by uh, Johnson's populist sort of outreach. He's a great vote getter for some. Uh, And because of the unpopularity of the labor leader at the time, Jeremy Corbyn. So they don't want uh, they don't want to go to the polls. What they want, uh, the people in in the in the conservative parliamentary caucus, those members who are uh, going to uh, have a poll uh, uh, probably on Monday, of uh, of those people who nominate themselves and are supported by at least a hundred 
of the sitting members of the Conservative Party. And there will only be two or three of those. Will Johnson be one of them? I don't know. It's touch and go. As I say, uh, Johnson is uh, counting on his reputation as being a great vote getter. He's a great retail politician, of course. But, you know, when he quit in, in, in September, in fact, he had been forced out, as you know. <laughs> Not long ago. Uh, his, yeah. dis- his disapproval rating was at 69%. So this is not a unifier. They need somebody to bring all of those quarreling post-Brexit factions in the party together to regain the confidence uh, in both their unity and their competence uh, uh, on behalf of of the British people. I think there are two people uh, who can do that, uh, that are are likely to run and likely to get those hundred letters of support. One is Rishi Sunak, who came uh, runner-up to Liz Truss uh, the last time, it was only in September. Good heavens! Um, <laughs> Last time uh, who, it was, it was about is, six weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, who was who was the uh, the Chancellor of the Exchequer? Essentially, as you said earlier, their finance minister, um, and, and and he's an extremely intelligent guy. The downside of him is that he's probably judged by some, at least we'll see how many, to be too young. He's only forty-two. He's he's very bright, and he's very competent on finance. But but he's being asked to be the prime minister, uh, a much yeah, broader a mandate and, and remit. And, and his past has been entirely in financial services. He's also, right. and, and this leads to a bit of mistrust, he's very, very wealthy, largely because his wife is the heiress to uh, the founder of one of uh, India's probably greatest software company, is a billionaire. Oh. And so I don't know if, if he's, he's going to get it. I would put my money Jeremy, on Penny. Yeah. Let me stop you right there, and we'll get to Penny Mortimer right after this. I'm just going to take a quick break just so we don't run out of time, and then we'll get back to who the other candidate should be. I also wanted to ask you honestly about what this could mean for other leaders out there around the world who've watched Liz Truss go down in flames. You were saying that Elizabeth Mortimer would be the other choice, you think. Uh, quickly, why would that be? Do you think she would be a good choice to be Penny, next? Penny Mordred. Penny Mordred, uh, rather. Uh, Penny Mordred, right. Yeah, Penny Mordred. She's a former minister of defense. She's She's rather low key. She's not terribly well known. Uh, uh, she's she's a conciliator. She's a consensus builder. Uh, she was uh, in favor of Brexit, but a soft Brexit. She probably would have been a supporter of uh, Theresa May's uh, outreach uh, uh, toward the European Union to to reach some kind of post Brexit agreement that made sense uh, to do with the the European Union, which is forty three percent of. Uh, of Britain's export market, after all, but which the ideologues under Boris Johnson kind of refused. And it's it put them in a, a you know very poor economic posture in consequence. Yeah. Uh, so Penny Mordaunt, uh, I, I think, would be an attractive uh, choice. She, she came in third. She was, was one of the, the three finalists in the final ballot uh, uh, in September. Um, and, uh, and you know, uh, she, she'd be a good choice. But so would Sunak. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I'd be surprised to, to see that anyone actually wants the job these days. So that was <laughs> Ralph Goodell talking, talking about the fact that there really won't be much of an impact on our relations with Britain with all this chaos. It feels like the, the, there must be a lot of distracted bureaucrats, let alone distracted uh, MPs and ministers in Britain right now, not paying much attention to all the other work that has to be done. 
I, I think more than discouraged, I would say demoralized because, you know, various epithets have been used, you know, calling this the clown car, and you know, uh, uh, this, this appalling soap opera. But it's it's uh, there's been an awful lot of rhetoric flying around. And uh, and I think the professionals uh, in government and the professionals in the party and serious people in the party were just disgusted. And it all came out last night with a, a very, very troubled, uh, uh, vexed uh, session uh, in Parliament when she was trying to get uh, members of the Conservative Party to what they call take the whip which is yes. uh, to, to ensure they voted for Stand in line. A, yeah, exactly. a controversial controversial motion. And there was pushing and shoving going on. It was, uh, it was really unseemly. So I, I, think, I think that there's a sense of relief that at least an adult is going to be taken over. Should be. Um, and lessons here, quickly, lessons for those around the world who may look to England and think, oh, I hope we avoid that. Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, we haven't avoided it because we've thrown our nomination processes and political parties out to uh, members and people selling memberships. And, and, you know, these campaigns are Kim Campbell once said when she was running uh, uh, um, against Jean Chrétien in 19, whenever it was, 93, that, you know, mm. an election campaign is no time to to uh, discuss policy. But uh, and she was ridiculed for that. But of course, politically, she was speaking reality. Uh, and uh, these these leadership campaigns don't don't allow for much of that. They're all soundbite driven, you know, and 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 that's what happens when you put it out to the broader membership. It's it's thought to be a more democratic option, but really it, it, it's a foolish option in some ways. Because the party is, is not reflective of the uh, electorate at large. And the Conservative Party in Canada has come up with three successive leaders. We'll see how Poilier does. Yeah. But the two predecessors won the party, but they couldn't win the country for exactly those reasons. And uh, be, I think yeah. that uh, what you need to do is to have those policy debates uh, in, in a sense that you really do understand before they take office what what the hell the person in, in question stands for. Jeremy Kinsman, very wise advice, I would say, given all that we've seen in Britain in just 44 short days since we last spoke, as a matter of fact. And hopefully I don't have to speak to you about this again in the next uh, month or so, but we never know. Well, uh, thanks I'd again love for your... to, but for her sake and Britain's, I hope not. Not on Indeed. that. Man. Indeed, Jeremy. Thank you so much once again. You bet. Bye-bye.